0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh Studios.
3: And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. This is um this is day 3 of me taking steroids. <laughs> so if you need some furniture moved, maybe some heavy boxes, a small car perhaps. Yeah. I'm feeling that strong mm. and vital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird what they they do?
4: Yeah, I've only taken steroids one time in my life. Mm-hmm. And I do remember feeling
3: rather energetic. energetic. Yeah, my neck size yeah. has grown.
4: That's <laughs> right. I'm
3: in contact with Barry Bonds, as right. a matter of fact. Yeah. You
4: know what I noticed? Uh, you know, I've, I've been working with you. T- this is the second bout of when you've taken steroids. Yeah. Um, here's Lex, see if you have noticed this as well. Oh, okay. uh, when John is on steroids. Yeah. um
3: you can hit a fastball.
4: No, he starts talking to each one of us before he gets in our office.
3: Oh whoa, well, that's so, interesting. Yeah, really. So
4: he'll be walking down the hall and his he's like I'm ready, you know, ten yards from Lexi's office and he's like, Lex Uh-huh. It's like the conversation's beginning yeah. before he's even in the room. You're right. so
5: right. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Thank you. Right. He right. went to go ask me a question, I didn't even see him and all I heard no, was right. Lex. Right.
3: My <laughs> wife will yell out, Here he comes <laughs> like she knows. It's a weird thing. I don't even I'm not even really truly aware of it quite. Yeah, much. Like,
4: you're just ready to go.
3: Yeah. You're a like the hard charger. I like it. I like the feeling. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, I just- so you might
4: that, want to consider like a long no, term?
3: No, no, no. Because it, yeah. there's going to be a downfall to this. Yes. There has to be. I was yes. up last night until 1.30, which you know, I'd be happy to be in bed at 10.
4: Were you? And what were you doing? Thinking. Were you reading, watching? No, nothing. You were sitting there in silence thinking. I was lying there. <laughs> you were lying there thinking.
3: Yes. Burr. You do that? I do that a lot. Oh, anyway. sure. Burr. Yeah. But
4: if I do that for a while, nope. I usually end up, up you know- G- Pick up a book or mm-hmm.
3: no? I have hope against hope that, you know, it will come upon me quickly.
4: Oh, and you'll sleep. Yeah,
3: but it doesn't. It. So then that, you go, oh, look at time it is. What the heck? So
4: listen, I am consumed with the TV program right now that I'm not going to talk about until tomorrow when okay. we're talking about We Can Review. But I, I need to get a grip on myself.
3: Oh, you're binging.
4: I'm binging and I'm not, I, I'm taking an hour off of my sleep each night mm. because I can't stop watching the thing.
3: <laughs> it's. All right, good.
4: Just that good. That's nothing to brag about. I'm no, no. Te- it's I'm just, telling uh, you about my weakness, but it is a very compelling program.
3: Nice. A little hidden treasure you It's have. not
4: The Bachelorette.
3: Oh, that's a shame. Oh, it's we not. missed the final anyway. I
4: know. We're disappointed about that. I wonder who won. I don't An know. Architect. Lex, did you watch it?
3: No. She, not, not okay, no, I did not.
4: No. I was rooting for the um, medicine expert.
3: I was hoping for the farmer myself, <laughs> right? Because God knows we need farmers.
4: I li- I want to know what that is. I've been thinking the about expert. it. Medicine expert. Yeah. What's a medicine expert?
3: Could be anything. I mean, it could be a medical salesperson, a pharmacist, tech, a physician. A doctor. Yeah. I don't know.
4: Someone who is a drug user.
3: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's a wide umbrella. It is. What you're it yeah. is. Yeah. And I, nice.
4: I feel like I've never heard that label applied to anyone until yesterday. I'm a medicine expert. I am a medicine expert. Hi, a medicine
3: expert. I, I, right now, on steroids, <laughs> yeah, am a medicine see, expert. Right isn't a medicine so expert. I could have, you know, yeah, anyway. Right, I like it. Anyway, All
4: coming right. up on today's program, boy, We've got some interesting conversations ahead. Mm-hmm. Do you yesterday think? was no slouch. No, we, I know. Yesterday, we we yesterday was a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, today in the five o'clock hour, uh, we'll talk about uh, theologically conservative Christians and can they flourish in the arts? Now, that's something I've never really thought about. Really? Can theologically conservative Christians flourish in the arts? I mean, maybe I've thought about it in the abstract, but I've certainly never asked
3: that question but when you know, and we do know any number of theologically conservative Christians who are in the arts. Yes. And we see the flourishing. Yeah.
4: Well, the question is, are they flourishing? I mean, I feel like they are. I know they are. Yeah. But do they, f- I mean, are they, do they have a, a living wage? Tim Hartman. Uh, Mako Fujimura.
3: Oh, tremendously so.
4: Yeah. Sure. But, yeah, but I mean, are they, their, their art is flourishing from my perspective. Yes. Are they, is their income flourishing?
3: Okay. Curious. Let's go. Right. Tim, if you're listening, that. give us a call. You please give us your, uh, yeah. your tax return. Mako,
4: uh, Tim, either one. Um, also in the five o'clock hour, Gen Z's aversion to phone calls has created a brutal dating trend.
6: <laughs>
4: Article in today's New York Post. Okay, good. Uh, in the four o'clock hour, uh, this is one of my favorite books I've read this year. It's called Jesus versus Evangelicals, a biblical critique of a wayward movement. We're looking mm. forward to talking to Constantine Campbell, the author of the book Live from Sydney, Australia. Yes. Uh, he's also a jazz musician. Did you know that? I
3: did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonder what he plays.
4: I don't know. I'm going to ask Compare him about that. There's some notes there. And also, can a deck of cards make your partner do more chores? <laughs>
3: I guess it all depends what mm-hmm. uh, what card game you're playing.
4: There's that and many more things ahead Very nice. on the
3: uh, ride home tour. Okay, so for the Thursday edition, as we always do, we check in with the news There's stories. There's a lot of news. Today. I
4: could have done the top eight oh. at four today. All right. So I mean, I limited it, but I could have.
3: Pair down to the best of the news stories. Mm-hmm. Without further ado then, Calf, please give us the top four at four.
4: It's Thursday, August 24th, 2023. Number one. A gunman died in Pittsburgh's Garfield neighborhood last night after exchanging thousands of rounds with police in a tense six-hour standoff that was in progress during our show yesterday. Uh, the day ended last evening when Pittsburgh police announced that the gunman had been pronounced dead. Sources confirmed that William Hardison Jr., age 63, was the shooter. Authorities wouldn't say how he died or what kinds of weapons and ammunition he used when shooting at authorities from the home's windows. Allegheny County Sheriff Kevin Krause said, quote, We tried talking to him, bringing him out. Once we made contact with him at the door, we were met with deadly force and we gave him every opportunity to surrender. Seven sheriff's deputies in body armor arrived at 1025 a.m. in the morning. And, of course, all those hours later, it wasn't until after five o'clock when uh, the standoff ended. I can't even tell you the number of volleys of gunfire there were. A police authority said he had a lot of ammunition in that house. No police were shot during the standoff. Uh, Sheriff's deputies were joined by Pittsburgh Police, Allegheny County Police, multiple SWAT teams, the PA Attorney General's Office, the FBI, and the uh, Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives.
3: What does the neighborhood look like? I can't imagine. How many homes were... I can't imagine. There has to be homes that are ruined. There
4: have to be.
7: Thousands
3: of rounds
4: of gunfire. Thank goodness. That they got everybody out. There's a daycare right up the street. Right. Right off the bat, they got everybody out of there. Yeah, I mean, kudos to all law enforcement who was involved in that yesterday. Uh, that's from today's trip. Number two, the plane carrying Yevgeny Prigozhin, head of the Wagner Military Group, or Wagner, I think is the the uh, correct pronunciation, crashed as the result of an assassination plot, which is not a surprise to any of us. It doesn't appear to have been shot down by surface-to-air missiles, U.S. officials said today in an exclusive in the Wall Street Journal. The preliminary U.S. government assessments suggest a bomb exploded on the aircraft or there was some other type of sabotage. The Russian government has said it's investigating the cause of the crash, but I don't think anybody really believes that. Russian President Putin broke his initial silence this afternoon by offering condolences to the families of the victim and some praise to Prugosian, but also said the Wagner chief had committed some serious mistakes. As with previous deaths of his rivals, uh, the Kremlin is likely and Putin is likely to sow confusion over who exactly killed Prugosian. Russia's state run military has all state run media, pardon me, has already begun spinning contradictory suggestions from blaming Ukraine to suggesting that a rival of Prigozhin planted a bomb aboard his plane. The rival in Putin. Uh, number three. Japan's Tokyo Electric Power Company began releasing treated radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean today. Mm -hmm. Executives from the company told reporters they would immediately halt the release of the treated water if any issues were detected. Water began flowing at about 1 p.m. The controversial decision, which has drawn protests in Japan, in South Korea, and elsewhere, prompted Chinese officials to issue a statement today saying Beijing, quote, opposes and strongly condemns it and that Japan's actions were selfish and irresponsible and that the ocean belongs to all of humanity. Mm-hmm. The release of water will go on for decades.
3: Wow. There's like how many Olympic sized
4: swimming it's, pools? It's so sh- The number is right, right. like beyond human understanding. Right. And number four, if you're out sick today, join the club. According to a new study, August 24th, that's today, is when the greatest number of employees around the U.S. call into work what? with some real sickness, some imagined sickness or some totally bogus ailment. Why and that is your top four at four.
3: You would think it would be like the end of January. Or I February. don't know.
4: Maybe it's people are on vacation and want to take an extra day mm-hmm. or they didn't get a vacation and they want to come up with one. I don't know. This is the only day that edged out February 13th, ah. which is second, which is the day after the Super Bowl.
3: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right.
4: Uh, the most common excuse for being out.
3: Just under the weather?
4: Nope. Stomach problem. Stomach
3: problem. Next, Mm -hmm. COVID. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Uh, Third, stress. Uh Uh-huh. And fourth, some type of injury, but that's way down the list.
3: Some type of injury. Some type
4: of injury. They're
3: all sort of very grayish, Mm aren't they? Yeah,
4: I think. What's the month where people most call in sick? January. February. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after today and the day after the Super Bowl, the next most likely day for people to call off is October 25th. Why is that? And February, and December 15th. Here's the thing. When you read the article more, and this is uh, from CBS Today, you learn that a lot of this is just people actually being sick. Really? I mean, people, Today,
3: I, in August. Yeah, well, people are just forever. actually
4: being sick.
8: Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, hope you're feeling better. <laughs> but thanks for tuning in. In the meantime, we'll take a quick break. We're going to talk about starting over. Falls on us. So let's start over.
9: 101.5 WORD.
1: Everybody's talking about it. It's that time. Time for back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half price tuition deals now at WordFM.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at WordFM.com. /tuitions. Attention taxpayers. If you
10: or your business owe the IRS back taxes or have years of unfiled tax returns, the IRS has green-lighted billions of dollars in tax relief to those facing financial hardship through its tax relief initiatives. If you have a delinquent tax problem and possibly facing wage garnishment, liens, levies, audits, or already in a payment plan, you may now qualify for significant relief. Qualifying and enrolling in this program could stop all collections, settle your tax problem, and may even reduce what you owe by up to 99%. Call the hotline at tax help USA to see if you qualify and receive your free tax assessment by dialing 800-419-0017. If you or your business owe back taxes to the IRS or state, you can now get the help that you need during these hard economic times. Get your free tax assessment to see what you qualify for by dialing 800-419-0017. 800-419-0017. That's 800 800-419- 419
11: The government is spying on you. No surprise, I know. But did you know the banks are helping them? And did you know that withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Let Swiss America educate you about this. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government, and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. You'll be shocked when you read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. This new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. You must read The Secret War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling or texting 800-266-6082. That's 800-266-6082. This war on cash is growing daily, and it also includes all forms of digital money. So please, get and read The Secret War on Cash free by calling or texting right now at 800-266-6082. That's 800-266-6082. Message and data rates may apply.
1: Terry is here from the Gateway Clipper. Experience a night out in Pittsburgh aboard our Captain's Dinner Cruise. See our beautiful city while you enjoy a delicious dinner, DJ music, and the great company of family and friends. Make your reservations now for a night out on the water at GatewayClipper.com.
9: We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
3: We all go through seasons, right? We're engaged, active, whether it's with worship or exercise or learning. And then, you know, like everything, it wanes for a while. But now where we are, especially on the calendar, here we are, kids are almost, you know, some kids are back to school. Of course, colleges are starting up here. And you know, before you know it, summer's over, falls on us. So what is it like to actively start over? Kurt Brookland's back with us. Kurt's been a regular guest of ours over the years. He is senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. And, to Kurt, thanks for joining us to talk about starting over.
6: It's great to be with you today.
4: I think starting over is hard. You do? I've, I've done it a couple times. I remember um, I, you know, went and got my undergrad degree, Kurt. Um, and then worked for five or six years, seven years in the field and decided to go back to art school and do something totally different. And that was very hard for me to go from like a super academic discipline to an art school. It was like, I I thought, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm going to fail here. You know, that, that was hard to start over. The other thing I think of is after I had my kids, I was home for 10 years and then got back into the workforce. Holy cow. Was that hard? Um, and I'm sure, you know, after marriages end or uh, people who are forcibly retired or lose employment or have been sick for a while. I mean, there's so many different ways of starting over.
3: But once your mind's made up, it can also be very exciting to start over. Yeah. Kurt, what do you think?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's um, obviously different reasons that we start over. Sometimes it's a rhythm of life, like school, as you were saying, John. Sometimes it's a choice, like you were saying, Kathy, where. We were doing one thing and we choose actively to do another thing, and sometimes they're forced on us in ways that we would not like to have them be forced on us, those kinds of changes. And so that actually does make a difference in how we approach starting over. Maybe not the actual approach in terms of once we're in it, but in terms of our motivation, our thought process, because we have to do some work, probably in ourselves, if it's forced on us in a way that we may not have to if we have a choice about it. You know, somebody who whose marriage ends and it wasn't their choice. They have to grieve that in a way that's different than somebody who says we decided to move somewhere new. And although they still grieve the loss, it's a different kind of grieving. So as as I reflect on this this topic, there's a couple things that that strike me. One is that there's a sense in which Starting over for everybody has so many possibilities, and I think of Philippians 3 with the passage about forgetting what's behind and pressing on toward what's ahead, which is obviously about a spiritual journey, but without a doubt telling us to leave behind one thing, to grab something new, and sometimes we start over, but we stay anchored to something that keeps us from actually grabbing to something new. We keep thinking we can go back to what we had or that we can not necessarily go fully in with whatever it is we're doing. And, and part of it is going fully in, but that leads me to kind of a second thought that I think is um, equally important. And that is when we go fully in, we also have to have, the certainty that our identity is rooted in something greater than this new start. And what I mean by that, I think, especially as a Christian, what a lot of people do is they'll say, well, God's going to help me and I'm going to start over. And then they start over in something new job, new marriage, new location. And and what they're doing is they're loading all of their identity into that so that if it goes well, they feel like they've been successful and God's with them. And if it doesn't go well, then they feel like God has somehow let them down oh, and they're not worthwhile. And so it, it it strikes me that, yes, go all in, go for what you have. But the way to really do that is to actually – do the soul work that says my identity is actually being a love child of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross, not in whether or not I succeed in this new venture. Mm. And it's actually that that frees you up. You know, if you're a, a school kid starting a new year of school, maybe a new school building, and it's all about being popular, getting good grades, something like that, and your mindset is, oh, I need God to help me with that. Mm. Well, if all of a sudden you're, you know, some kid is mean and you're not as popular as you thought you should be, you get a bad grade, now you have a, have a crisis on your hand. Whereas if you go into that school saying, I would love to be popular, I'd love to get good grades, but I am loved by God regardless of whether I'm popular, regardless of whether or not I get good grades, and that actually is more important. Now you're free to do those things without loading all this pressure on yourself that makes it um, this overwhelming process to say I'm starting over and I have to get this one right because my whole identity rests on that.
3: Hmm. Well, that's so smart, Kurt. So there is a surrender in the process, right? I'm going to start something new, but first I'll surrender and know that my identity is in Christ. So whatever comes my way, so be it.
6: Well, it's a, uh, yeah. And, and an identity in Christ is obviously not something that you just decide one day to have sure. and it just happens. It's something that is built um, week in, week out, day after day with the affirmation of Scripture, with worship, with Bible teaching, with uh, group life, things that, that help you so root your identity in something other than your achievements that that it isn't something you actually have to actively decide other than when you're confronted with the lie that says, I am this, you know, I am what I do. I am what I achieve. Mm -hmm. That's when we have to actively say, no, that's, that's a lie of Satan ultimately. And I am defined by how God sees me, which is not whether or not I achieve in this. And I, and again, I think it actually allows us to, to pursue goals harder. Um, You know, if you uh, can say, Hey, whether I make this team or not, I am loved by God and don't have more value to humanity because i make this team. I'll be disappointed if I don't make the team, but I can pursue that with a freedom that says, whether I make it or not, that's not the most important thing about me. And, you know, when you think about bigger kind of starting over, whether it be a new marriage or a mid career change or moving somewhere, again if we load everything into that then we put pressure on that situation that it was never intended to carry
7: for mm-hmm. us
4: and then it can become an idol super quick right or we maybe realize that we've already made it one or it's always been one for us but we didn't re- we didn't get it
6: yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah it's a i think it's a challenge and it's obviously um, you know, forgetting what's behind and going for it is yeah. are great things. And but but if we load too much into it, again, we can just put ourselves in in a spiritual peril that we didn't even realize. All we were trying to do is improve ourselves. And mm-hmm. and again, self improvement, it's good. It, I think it's even biblical. But it's uh, but it's a two edged sword.
4: The Reverend Kurt Bjorklund's with us, senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Uh, we'll talk about Orchard Hill before we finish out our time with Kurt. Um, but, uh, Kurt, you know, I was we're we're talking to uh, this author, Constantine Campbell, who has written a book called "Jesus Versus Evangelicals." Uh, in just a little bit, and. Boy, it was really uh, convicting reading his book because there's so much of our culture that creeps into our Christianity. And I'm sure that's the case with every Christian in every time period, in every uh, place on the globe. Can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. But at the same time, it's important to recognize it. And that's the same with achievement or starting over, right? Is that we're formed by the kind of culture and family and, you know, community we're in.
6: Oh, absolutely. A lot of times even... You'll hear this in Christian parents, like all I need to do to help my child beat depression or anxiety is help them find the one thing they're good at. Mm -hmm. And so if it isn't grades, then it's going to be dance. And if it isn't dance, it'll be, you know, uh, lacrosse or whatever it is. And they just keep cycling through things. But what they're doing is unintentionally reinforcing a cultural narrative that says my value is that I'm good at
7: something.
6: Mm -hmm. And... And then sometimes we can even put it into a spiritual arena where it's, well, I'm good if I'm a good Christian. And again, the gospel message is ultimately your goodness is imputed to you from Jesus Christ. And that is a standing that doesn't come and go based on, on those achievements. And so again, the the more parents can help kids, um, live in that reality as they're starting new projects, as they're starting again, it allows them to, to pursue it without it being um, loaded with, with all kinds of extra Uh, Importance or idol like qualities, as you say, Kathy.
3: That's good. Mm -hmm. The joys and perils of starting over without Christ in your first identity. Kurt Bjorklin from Orchard Hill Church. Uh, Kurt, uh, speaking of starting over, uh, let's talk about Orchard Hill and uh, what's about to happen uh, with the new fall season.
6: Yeah, so this weekend we have a fall festival happening at our Wexford campus uh, for both our Strip District campus and Wexford campuses. Great thing. uh, If you're interested, there's information on the church website, orchardhillchurch.com. There's men's events, women's events, all kinds of studies starting. There's the every weekend worship uh, that's now happening, will be happening in five locations uh, starting this fall. Uh, so we have our Wexford campus and then uh, the Strip District, one in Butler. Uh, those are all pretty well-established campuses with buildings and everything. And then uh, a community gathering that's happening toward a campus, hopefully in South Point, and a new launch group starting up in Beaver uh, this fall. And so, uh, so a lot of opportunities to be engaged in community worship, Um, helping to reshape communities uh, by embodying the gospel, hopefully in each of those those spaces.
3: Amen. Congratulations. That's really excellent. Orchard Hill on the move as uh, the fall season gets underway. Kurt, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming with us.
6: Great. Have a great afternoon.
3: You as well.
4: That's Kurt Bjorklund. Check out any of those campuses he talked about or the main one uh, where you most often see Kurt himself, mm-hmm. Orchard Hill Church. Coming up next, a New York City park opens a home for a retired playground Isn't Oh, sweet. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home.
11: It took a panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air. to Salem listeners by calling or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text 800-630-1495.
4: Just because time marches on doesn't mean your skin has to. Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont helps you turn back the clock with Smooth Glow, the revolutionary, age-defying, non-surgical solution to sagging skin, sunspots, and fine lines. You'll see immediate, long-lasting improvements in as little as 144 5-Minute Treatment. Get the celebrity sought-after look without injectables. Defy your age at Chill to Perfection where your results are their business. Visit Chilled to PerfectionPGH.com.
9: Cable News. Noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Seculo, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Energetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel five twenty five.
8: Roofing, siding, or remodeling. Want it right? Call doing it right. Seven two four new roof. One
9: hundred one point five W O R D F M Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying "lay the word Pittsburgh," and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
2: Coming partly cloudy with a heavy thunderstorm tonight. It'll be warm and humid otherwise. Those storms can bring flooding downpours, hail, and damaging wind gusts. We'll reach a nighttime low of 71. Partly sunny tomorrow, very warm and humid with a thunderstorm in spots at a high of 86. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and humid with a low of 65. Partly sunny Saturday, remaining humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area The high 82. With your AccuWeather weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: Uh, New York City apparently has something very interesting. An official retirement home for worn out playground animals. You know, the ones we used to climb on as kids.
4: Yeah, so let's, okay, so these are not actual animals. No, no, these are like. <clears> this <throat> not like a petting zoo. I thought this was about a petting zoo. Oh. Like, like <laughs> I thought, no. we're going to retire.
3: It's all worn out.
4: <laughs> so I look at, John shows me the pictures during the commercial break. I'm like. What? No. The camel's pink.
3: No. Oh, that's right. Tippy, stand up. No, I says, oh, am so tired. Please leave me alone. <laughs> All right. All so, those kids. Okay, so they're like no, cement are... animals. Right, like you know, in Frick Park, there used to be, maybe there still is, a, like a concrete turtle. Sure.
4: At Hergy right. Field, in I used to ride on a turtle when I was little. Exactly. Had a little, had a little. It was on a spring, and you could go back. And oh forth yeah, sure, on sure, it. yeah. You know we had me? those. I like the turtle. Yeah.
3: So, Flushing Meadows Corona Park has a section set aside for these beloved concrete animals that have seen better days called the Home for Retired Playground Animals. The space is next to the giant Unisphere. Remember that? It's like the gigantic globe. It was for the World's Fair? No. Meant to be a contemplative area. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be a contemplative area with plantings where you can see these animals and sit on benches near them. Okay. So, it's like a little holy space. Is that the deal? Oh. Contemplative. Okay. Uh, there are two dolphins, an aardvark, an elephant, a camel, a frog from various New York City parks that children have played on since See, the 1950s. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah. I like that. Go back and revisit yeah. childhood Yeah, so you memories. think of
4: how, how many kids have climbed on those. Oh and like, that's, That is kind of contemplative. I guess so. I'm getting contemplative just here in the studio.
3: We're we're so excited, so excited to unveil this new contemplative space in Flushing Meadows Corona Park as we send some of our hardest working employees into retirement in style. We hope that despite their retirement, they will continue to inspire imagination and creativity.
4: You know what I think of when I think of Flushing Meadows? Hmm. The U.S. Open. Oh yeah, sure. It's in Flushing Meadows, of course right? it is. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh-huh. in Queens. So nice I to ride a bike out there.
4: I'd like to go to that sometimes. That's
3: not too far from Louis Armstrong's museum. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Which
4: I've never been to. Yeah, neither have I. I could wear my current outfit.
3: Right, if I was going oh, to you, you look like a ball girl today. It's <laughs> it's kind of relaxed today. Cass wearing like a, a blue and white striped top, yeah. and then you have blue shorts on, yeah,
4: navy blue shorts. It's right. like you
3: are, like you're ready uh-huh. to run on the field and right. uh, hand a ball to Buren Borg.
4: Sure, I would like to.
3: Mm-hmm. I would like to help out. That's
4: fine. Mm-hmm.
3: Very nice. Okay. It's a relaxed feel here today. It is. I'm it wearing is. a suit and tie. It's a,
4: that's <laughs> a only lie. kidding. i that, That's a lie. Right, After the break, looking forward to talking to Constantine Campbell live from Sydney, Australia. He's getting up at about I don't know six. a.m. to talk to us today. We're going to talk about uh, the evangelical movement, a wayward movement. We'll talk about yes or no next on The Right Home.
9: 101.5 WORD.
1: There are three ways of dealing with the Bible, especially when you come to a passage that you don't quite agree with or understand. The first tactic is to pick and choose what you want to believe. The second is to remain ignorant of what the Bible has to say at all. The third is to dig into the Word and try to understand all of it, whether or not you like what it has to say. Well, if you fall into that last category or would like to, please join us this week on Through the Bible Radio. This evening at 9 p.m.
13: on 101.5 WORD. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-File and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-File to qualify you and your business for up to 20 $26,000 per W2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-File. That's
8: 833-ERC-File. Current events are unfolding like it's right out of the book of Revelations. From the threat of AI to genocide, wars, man-made bioplagues, everything prophesied in the Bible looks like it's happening now. After speaking to Christian leaders from all over the world, I believe the next step is a man-made crisis completely designed to take over our economic freedom. Hi, I'm Lance Walnow, a Christian author and media analyst who breaks down current events to people just like you, who are concerned about their future and the future of their families. I always tell my listeners and my people perish for lack of knowledge, is what the Bible says. You need knowledge about gold IRAs from Birch Gold Group. That's the best, best option. To see why, text the word FAITH to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold IRAs. Birch Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. I recommend you get their info kit. That's Faith to 989898. 98, 98. And then you'll be armed with the information you need in order to have peace of mind and guide your affairs with great wisdom. God bless you.
1: Summer is almost over, and so are the savings at Bachman's Roofing. Take advantage of the summer savings bonanza with no interest and no payments until 2025. Now is the perfect time to check off those home improvement projects. Cracked or missing roof shingles? Bachman's has got you covered. Looking to add solar? Bachmann's has you covered. Time to upgrade that cracked siding. Bachmann's has got your back. Call Bachman's today to schedule your free estimate at 412-472-7103 or visit gobachmans.com.
4: Well, we're so happy to have our next guest with us Mm -hmm. because he has gotten up early for this conversation. Constantine Campbell is with us live from Australia. He's professor and associate research director at the Sydney College of Divinity. Also a New Testament scholar, a jazz musician, which we'll talk about before the end of this segment and the author of several books. Constantine, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And as Cass said, thanks for getting up early. I mean, I know it's, it's super. Early. I hope you had some coffee here before you joined us. So, con-
14: <laughs> Yeah, it's not that early. I'm used to it. <laughs>
3: oh, good. Okay. Hey, Constantine, we love the work. Uh, Jesus yep. versus evangelicals. Oh. I mean, it's, it's really excellent. And in it, in it, you essentially say that, you know, evangelicalism is a, it's a wayward movement, a movement that has lost its moorings, a pseudo-Christianity in some way. So, talk about that mm. from your perspective. What is it that leads you to think that we have become this?
14: Well, sounds controversial. Uh, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I basically argue in the book that the way of Jesus and the way of interacting with the world that Jesus models and the teachings of Jesus ought to be at the heart of evangelical faith, but also evangelical practice. And, and I think there's a bit of a distinction there sometimes because we often say, well, this is what evangelicals believe. This is what we believe. This is what we hold dear. Uh, but then the way we act and the way we might interact, you know, in the public square uh, or the way we interact with our neighbors and so on might reflect something different. Yeah. And that's often why uh, people who are not Christians sometimes accuse us of being hypocrites uh look we like jesus but we don't like you uh you know what's gone wrong what's gone wrong there you know there's the disconnect between what we say we believe and the way we behave Mm
4: -hmm. you write that american evangelicalism in particular has several problems Mm -hmm. um and you lay them out the first being that we've become politicized to the extent that its spiritual Mm -hmm. nature has been distorted amen talk about what that means
14: yeah, um, there's, you know, really since the European settlement of uh, North America, there's been a sense that, you know, America is is kind of God's country and there's and Christians have have there's always been a, a strand of Christianity, if not the majority in America, where um, there's a sense that we, we have to preserve this country to be God's, you know, sort of holy place and uh, even promises made to Israel in the Bible were applied to the United States and so on. Uh, so this, and this is kind is of really, the second
4: Promised Land.
14: Yeah, in a way, absolutely. And and I can understand where it comes from because you know the Puritans were escaping religious persecution, and and this and America represented a, a, a you know God's grace and opportunity to worship Him freely you know without persecution and so it really comes from this profound thankfulness i think um, and that god has really intervened to make this happen but what's happened in the interim is um rather than giving everyone that freedom uh to worship as they see fit or not worship as it may be there's a sense of no 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 this is a christian country we've got a we've got a fight to retain this christian origin uh, and and we'll we 'll use any means to do it we 'll fight dirty in politics we'll you know allow, align ourselves to leaders who are maybe morally bankrupt and et cetera et cetera because what 's most important is you know that this is a christian nation uh and that really, in my view, has led to a number of distortions of the Christian faith and has misrepresented the cause of Christ in the public square
3: yes and, and of course. America isn't mentioned in scripture, but Mm. the only other country that (laughs) is,
14: Israel's mentioned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And that's a specific uh, time and place in the purposes of God. You know, the Bible presents Israel as, um, you know, the recipient of his blessing, and they enter into a covenant through Moses. But it also teaches that yeah there's a new covenant through Jesus for people of all nations and so um even though Israel retains a special place in the purposes of God it's unique it's it's not it's not for any other country to jump in and claim those those promises that are unique for Israel
4: mm-hmm. So talk about the distance from which you see this. Um you're all the way mm. on the other side of the globe. Uh we are enmeshed. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply <laughs> embedded. Yeah, data embedded is a good <laughs> word. Uh so um what does that distance afford you?
14: Yeah, um great question, Kathy. Um well I, I did live in the Chicago area for uh about five and a half years, Excellent. um teaching in an um at a seminary there. Uh, And so I I have sort of seen things up close Mm -hmm. and I've been a frequent visitor for maybe 20 years, visiting almost every year. Um, But I think um, being distant and and coming from different culture, it does help to see what for those within it might be blind spots. And I I sort of make the case in the book that we, we all have our blind spots, right? You know, so this isn't this isn't sort of throwing stones or or anything like that. You know, here in Australia, we have our blind spots too, but by definition, I I need someone else to show me what they are. Uh, And you can't see them when you're in the middle of it often. And um, so I think a little bit of uh, geographical distance, but also cultural difference, Uh, distance, I should say, cultural distance helps to say, um, you know, to my friends, my brothers and sisters in the U S Hey, you know, um, think, you yeah, know, maybe you should rethink this, you know, or, or maybe maybe something has gone wrong in the way that you're expressing your faith in Jesus uh, or or the way you want to engage the world around you. Um, maybe, you know, take a look at the way other cultures uh, express Christianity. Uh, not that anyone is perfect sure. in doing this, you know, with, you know, but there are lessons we can learn from each other, just as there are lessons that we can learn from, um, African Christians. We can learn from European Christians. We can learn from Asian Christians, uh, and and, those, and the way they're doing things might expose our own problems. Interesting. We're
3: talking with Constantine Campbell. His new work is called "Jesus versus Evangelicals: A Biblical Critique of a Wayward Movement." Uh, let's talk about something you know very specific, Constantine. I mean, you know, um, sure. We've just gone we're, – we're we're still deeply involved in um, the the Trump um, movement, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Here we are on the precipice. So we just had a, a Republican debate last night. Now, of course, um, yeah. say what you will about uh, former President Trump, and there's, uh, there's mountains to say about that. But, you know, one of the things yeah. that he promised and one of the things he delivered it on was the repeal of Roe v. Wade because he appointed Ooh. three conservative Supreme Court justices. I, I'd say that's a good yes. thing. But I also think mm. it's very messy and comes with a very, very steep cost. Um, it it yep. meshes together evangelicalism and the culture wars. Can you talk about that?
14: Uh, absolutely. I think you articulated that very well. Um, I'm Look, I am 100% opposed to abortion. You know, I think it's a terrible, uh, terrible thing. And... Um, in, in some ways, I'm really glad that Roe v. Wade has been repealed, but as you say, it came at a huge cost. And also I think it needs to be said that um, um, making uh, abortion illegal as it's become now in several states actually statistically shows it it doesn't slow it down. It just makes it more dangerous. And um, this is um, what I think the heart of the problem is, is, is trying to um, – Control people's moral choices through political power,
7: mm.
14: and the reality is that that does not work because political power and laws do not change people's hearts uh, and at the end of the day what what Christians want to see, I suppose is y- you want to see people y- you want to see people where their hearts changed, um, which can only really happen through um, through the Holy Spirit you know and through persuasion. Um, and through, you know, sharing with people, you know, God's love for them um, in Christ, and and who He really is, and how we can respond to that love, and that's what changes us, so that so that people will want to live mm-hmm. um, in a different way. Um, and so, yes, of course, there's a place for laws to to restrict evil like you know it's good that we have laws against murder for example right uh but you know what it doesn't it doesn't remove the murderous intention um it doesn't change people's hearts uh and people will still try to do that if they think it can get away with it you know uh so i guess that's really my my problem with the way that evangelicals have engaged that issue is this sort of false belief that legislative power or legislative change will make people behave more morally. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the kind of morality that the Bible says God wants is an inner reality that comes genuinely from the heart. Mm, that's um, not this sort of fake, I'm going through the motions.
4: We're having a conversation with Constantine Campbell. We're in Pittsburgh. He's live in Australia. Are you in Sydney, Constantine?
14: I'm in Canberra, actually, the nation's capital city. Okay,
4: terrific. Well, we're happy to be talking to you. If you can hold on for just a couple of minutes, we need to uh, meet some advertisers and we continue our conversation on our way back.
1: Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. The first Owens Corning MVP in Pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the Pittsburgh region. Call 724 New Roof.
7: So, this is a radio ad, and I wanted to tell a story that proves that sometimes bad moments can often lead to good moments or opportunities. But my story was about 30 minutes, so instead, here's the headline Loving family's beach vacation is ruined by a flaming lasagna and nephew vomiting on gate agent, only to be saved by the most meaningful staycation ever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and bad creating some good is exactly what we're seeing right now. Interest rates are not great, but they have finally brought home prices down, at least for a bit, creating an opportunity, which is why we're seeing thousands of listeners across the country looking to buy the new home now because the price is forever, with the plan to refinance the rate tomorrow when rates settle. If that's you, please know that we have a direct lender advantage that can often save you lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court in New York. Analyst number 1330.
1: Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. Attention Medicaid patients.
15: If you're on Medicaid, how would you like if your caretaker was your daughter, your son, your grandchild, or your close friend? If you're on Medicaid, Freedom Care allows you to choose who provides your care and that caregiver will get paid instantly after their shift. Yes, your caregiver will get paid instantly and it's 100% free to you if you are on Medicaid. Call 412-990-1365 and ask Freedom Care how to get started with care today. No more worrying about getting care from an aide at an agency. Freedom Care helps you choose who you want to take care of you and that person gets paid. Call Freedom Care at 412-990-1365. That's 412-990-1365. To get started today, you get a caregiver you know and trust and they get paid instantly after their shift and it's free to you start now by calling 412-990-1365 that's 412-990-1365 or go to freedomcare.com
16: This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every
13: Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and
16: Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you miss the Life & Legacy show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM
10: 101.5 for the Life & Legacy show. Roofing, siding, or remodeling?
6: right?
3: Call doing it 724-NEW-ROOF. Right. We're talking about the evangelical movement, Jesus versus evangelicals, a biblical critique of a wayward movement with Constantine Campbell, his brand new work.
4: Constantine, um you set up several issues uh that you have uh with Christianity, some mm-hmm. or not with Christianity, with evangelicalism, some criticisms that you have. We've already talked about mm-hmm. a couple of them. Um but I want to bring up um the idea that evangelicals tend to be highly divisive, exacerbating theological mm-hmm. and cultural divisions that can create tribal boundaries. Talk about how you see that.
14: Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. I think this is um, a really um, difficult issue to talk about because it, it's it's sort of invisible, but it's it, it's really at the heart of the way we sort of form, tend to form groups. Uh, and the biggest problem is, and, and and let me say that forming groups is is natural and and good to a point, but it also can create some negative consequences. And one of the things I think is quite negative in the way that evangelicals do it is you can create a kind of us and them sort of dynamic so that even if someone over there, well, they might, you know, profess faith in Jesus, they might believe the Bible, you know, they might um, go to church, <clears throat> they regard themselves as Christians, right? But because they're, they maybe have this little theological difference or, uh, you know, sort of, the way they do things is a little. They use liturgy, perhaps, and, and we don't use liturgy, or you know, they sing those sort of songs, we don't sing those sort of songs. Then they're they're the other, you know, and they're they're a little bit suspect, or maybe mm-hmm. even they're they're not really they're not even really Christians. They think they are, but they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, this sort of thing. Uh, we're the we're the real we're the real believers. Uh, and what happens is when you when you sort of try to determine truth through tribalism. Um, it 's not really based on the truth anymore it 's based on group dynamics you know it 's based on the people in the center of the group that have the power and um everyone sort of has to like believe what they say or or almost sort of venerate them uh and if you don 't if you if you criticize them if you if you critique them then oh then you 're standing in the tribe mm-hmm. starts to become a little questioned and you might get pushed out to the to the edges of the tribe or maybe even pushed out of the tribe altogether, hmm. you know, so it creates these power dynamics that actually aren't revolving around the truth of the scriptures um, or the, the truth of the gospel. Uh, and instead, um, as I say, they're sort of pseudo political, you know, they have these sort of group group power structures that keep everyone in check. And I want to say that's, really, really unhealthy. Uh, and actually what the, the way I see the, the Bible is to say, you know, you know, test everything by the scriptures. Yeah. So that group over there, you might think that they're off because they don't, they don't like our leaders or whatever, or they don't like our style of preaching. Well, yeah, but, um, actually what they're saying here is entirely biblical, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and maybe some of our things could come under critique. So that's the sort of thing I'm trying to get at with the, mm-hmm. that chapter on tribalism. That's really good. Yeah.
7: Now,
4: let me break in and say, lest our listener think that uh, you're some guy from Australia who's just, you know, picking apart the American evangelical. Some loose uh, cannon. Some loose cannon hey, that, we invited, that we invited on the show. Uh <laughs> It's not at all the feeling of the book. Not at all. Uh, You know, I don't read this as an American evangelical, Constantine, and feel like you're pointing the finger at me and you're, you know, you're calling me out and I have to defend myself. It's not that at all. I think um, as I read this, uh, you have put this together uh, out of uh, your concern for the fact that none of us on earth— value Jesus enough and hold him highly enough. Yeah.
3: And, um, and, and I think with that, you know, uh, Constantine, we, we have friends, you know, uh, if evangelicalism is a brand and of course it feels as though everything is a brand today, if evangelicalism is a brand mm. and now it's got a negative connotation to some people. Well, I, I have a friend who says, mm. I'm not an evangelical anymore. I'm a Christ follower. And there's a different brand mm-hmm. of that as mm-hmm. well.
14: Yeah. Mm yeah uh look thanks John and thanks kathy. I really appreciate those comments about the book and i uh, I really do hope that people read it uh in the spirit in which it was intended, which is that you know i sort of um out of love uh I do love um America and Americans and American Christians, and I owe a great debt to them in lots and lots of ways um and as I sort of say in the book, you know I'm flawed uh my church is flawed, uh, you know, Christianity in Australia is flawed in lots of ways. And we're all trying to honor Christ and, and be better at doing that, you know. Um, and um, and as we mentioned before, sometimes it takes someone from the outside to point these things out. But um, the branding question, absolutely, is a really important one. And I I guess I sort of came to that conclusion over years here in Australia, where you know, people would say, oh, you're not one of those evangelicals, are you? And I'd say, well, <clears throat> well, it depends what you mean. Um, and they'd usually, nearly without exception, point to American examples of evangelicalism. Uh, and I'd say, well, okay, well, we mean something different. You know, what does an evangelical, what does that word mean? Uh, and, and, you know, you start to see that the the label has major problems.
4: I'm sorry to have to close you down, Constantine, but that's the music, which means that our hour okay. is almost up. The book is called Jesus Versus Evangelicals, a Biblical Critique of a Wayward Movement. It's all—it's August already in 2023. I, this is one of my top five favorite books of the year, Constantine. Thank you so much well, for thanks it.
14: thanks so much. It's, it's our great, great pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the
3: show, guys. You as well. We'll take a quick break at the top of the hour. Come back. we got much more underway. Stay with us. We're going to talk about conservative Christians and the flourishing of the arts, our 5 o'clock hour. Stay with us.
9: Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM,
12: Pittsburgh, slash Metaxas.
2: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Kremlin has still not commented on Wednesday's plane crash in which Wagner leader Yevgeny Progisian is presumed to have died. If
0: this was a deliberate targeting, and that's certainly the belief by most people, then it would be the FSB that's done it. The FSB are the domestic internal intelligence agency in Russia. They are the successors to the KGB, and there is a track record here. The FSB, for example, are accused of trying to poison Alexei Navalny, the biggest critic of President Putin.
2: BBC correspondent Frank Gardner. Wireless carrier T-Mobile plans to cut 5,000 jobs, or about 7% of its workforce. The job cuts arrive after mass job eliminations have been seen at a handful of companies, including Google, Meta, Amazon, and Microsoft. This is SRN News.
12: now go 80950099 80950099 That's 80950099
11: The government is spying on you. No surprise I know but did you know the banks are helping them? And did you know that withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Let Swiss America educate you about this. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government, and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. You'll be shocked when you read The Secret War on Cash from Swiss America. This new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. You must read The Secret War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling or texting 800-266-6082. That's 800 266 this war on cash is growing daily, and it also includes all forms of digital money. So please get and read The Secret War on Cash free by calling or texting right now at 800-266-6082. That's 800-266-6082. Message and data rates may apply. major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691.
2: Coming partly cloudy with a heavy thunderstorm tonight. It'll be warm and humid. Otherwise, those storms could bring flooding, downpours, hail, and damaging wind gusts. We'll reach a nighttime low of 71. Partly sunny tomorrow. Very warm and humid with a thunderstorm in spots. At a high of 86. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and humid with a low of 65. Partly sunny Saturday. Remaining humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area. The high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh
3: studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. We are awash in studies, right? I mean, academia, um, science, uh, healthcare, always doing studies about this result or that, you know, that. Anyway, there's been a new study, a two-year study by Finnish researchers. And um, here's the deal. Uh, Published by the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science, examined the role of diet and exercise in children's thinking. Researchers found that children who spend more time playing sports and reading had better thinking skills than those who don't. They also found the kids who ate less red meat and drank low-fat milk had better thinking skills than those who don't.
4: Wait, if they eat what?
3: Uh, Kids who ate less red meat and drank low-fat milk had better thinking skills than those who don't, right? Do you buy that? Uh, Well, yeah. The the red meat and um, the the milk, I'm not sure.
4: And the thinking skills. The other thing makes... Exercise and reading? For sure. 100%. For sure. Right? Yes.
3: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. But based upon that, in the era that I grew up in and you grew up in, where... You know, we exercised just as a matter of just go out and play mm-hmm. and read because we loved reading. Right. Well then we should all be geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. I think I'm falling short. Right, right. That's kinda of funny. I was sitting in a red light today and I saw a little girl skipping down the street. She was holding her phone in her hand.
4: <laughs> While she was skipping. Yes. Well, she was looking at her phone?
3: Yes.
12: Oh, that's awful. Right, right.
4: You know, I was uh I was traveling with uh Save the Children a couple years ago. yeah, And we ended up doing a, uh, uh, an afternoon at a school in Houston, Texas, where we were talking to at-risk kids about how the you know, ministry impacted them and what it did for them on a Monday through Friday basis. And uh, so we were in a school all day. Yeah. And so we were just going to different periods of class. And anyway, one of the classes I went to was gym. And we were in gym class, and I think I was with second graders. And the gym teacher said, Okay, we're going to go around the gym. Everybody's going to go around counterclockwise, and we're going to gallop. Gallop. And, And I seriously was like, I don't think I've galloped. Since fifth grade gym myself, I like to. G- I was like, I'm not, do I remember how to gallop? Did you anyway, gallop? I did, but it took me a little while to remember how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And galloping around the gym seemed like a long time to gallop.
3: Did you laugh? I laughed a lot. Of course, right. Because
4: galloping is silly.
3: Yeah, it's like skipping in yeah, a way. Yeah, so
4: then we skipped the next mm. time around. So then I was tripping because I had galloping. I felt like, you know, uh, I had some kind of issue. I. Yeah, it was really funny.
3: So maybe there's like something in there that, you know, the galloping and skip exercise. Um, I know, think it's part exercise. of... Exercise. Yeah,
4: I think it's part of neurologic or neuromuscular development is being able to coordinate those things. And so I wasn't right. I wasn't a particularly good example. There's
3: something that's weirdly fun about galloping and or skipping mm-hmm. that, you, like, like you say... You would laugh if you did it. Right? If if you left here and skipped down the hall to the to the restroom and skipped back, you'd probably come back a little different.
4: Yep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it makes me want to try it.
3: So maybe like there's like the water aerobics. Maybe we start something like the skip aerobics.
4: So I started this uh, exercise program. Maybe what well, was in the middle of COVID? It was twenty. It was New Year's Day, twenty twenty one. And one of the things that I found particularly challenging is part of it is it's um it's hip training which is high uh, impact uh intensity training. Yeah. And or interval training, pardon me. And so you go up and down in intensity, but you also go back and forth in the plane. So oh. instead of just doing things in place or straightforward and backward, yeah. you're doing a lot of things that go left to right. Okay. And I realized very quickly that I don't do anything in my life that goes left to right.
3: Oh. Like tennis. Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. How often do you do that? Yeah. Hardly ever.
3: Right. Rambles. If you're
4: not playing a sport, there are hardly any things that make you go left if to I'm right. If I'm
3: trying to kill lantern flies, I'm going left <laughs> to right real fast. Oh, Get God. away from me.
4: Exactly. Right?
3: How about um the, the are you a fan of Monty Python? Oh, yes. The Ministry yes. of Funny Walks. Yes. Right. The Ministry of Funny I Walks. Of that I think I like which that. would be very nice. We should all start that ministry in our own lives. Yeah, I right. think it'd
9: be helpful for us. Right.
3: Just walk ridiculously and include galloping and skipping in that.
4: Right. Do you follow John Cleese on Twitter?
3: I do. He is so funny. He is super funny. You know what I think when I think about someone like John Cleese or um, Mel Brooks, I would think that the sort of for a lot of people I wonder about this. When you age, you lose many things. Do you lose your funny bone?
4: No, they haven't.
3: No, they haven't, right? John Cleese and Mel Brooks.
4: Steve Martin hasn't. Yeah. Martin Short hasn't.
3: No, they have not. Eddie Murphy hasn't. Mm -mm. Jerry Seinfeld hasn't. But these are people who've honed that funny bone skill. Yeah. What about the rest of us? My mom was every bit as funny. My mom was too.
4: Every bit as funny before she died as she was when I was growing up.
3: What is that, I wonder?
4: I don't know. I think that's... I've all my husband and I thought about this a lot when our kids were little because we thought that a sense of humor and instilling that is something that has to be taught.
3: You think no. Yes. I, I yep.
4: don't think that you really nope. I do. I, I think, think sense it, of
3: humor comes from observation and being around other funny people.
4: That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. But I mean taught as in you have to be around other funny people. <laughs> right. Now I'm sure you yeah. c- there are I'm sure right. there are people right. that are funny naturally. Yeah. But I mean overall being a funny person, immersing kids with funny people. Right. I think is really important.
3: But then by by that very extension, you would think that, you know, like Groucho Mark's kids would be hysterical.
4: Maybe but, he didn't spend much time with I his kids. I don't know.
3: But you know, okay, so But I
4: bet he made other people's kids funny.
3: Okay, so this is an unpopular thing, but Carl Reiner, his son, Uber Lib Rob Reiner, obviously a very funny guy.
4: Hilarious. He yeah. did when Harry met Sally. Yeah.
3: I mean, you know, all in the family. Right. So funny l- runs in the family the intention what I wonder if that there's an intentionality you know when you raise kids, I mean, I never thought about it, but you know we were around funny people. the intentionality of raising funny kids funny kids, what would that be like? you know, I think it's good you start with I skipping think, and galloping,
4: I think I'm gonna start skipping and galloping all right. Maybe I, I'll join
3: you. Okay. Because now I'm on steroids. So, of course, I'll be like you. <laughs> you can you know, do anything. I'll be hitting my head on the ceiling. I'll be skipping so high. <laughs> boing, boing, so boing.
4: All right. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about theologically conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are theologically conservative yes, Christians. Yes, of course. But the question is, could we, any of us, flourish in the arts?
9: Movie, visual art, is that possible? Let
3: All us right. pray we do.
9: 101.5 WORD.
0: Two things that hit a family budget the hardest, the price of gas and of groceries. Let us ease that pain at the pump when you enter
10: the
6: $18,000 Gas and Groceries Giveaway.
0: The grand prize winner gets $10,000 in gift cards for gas and groceries. Three first prize winners each get $1,000 gift cards, and ten second prize winners will get $500 gift cards for gas and groceries.
1: That's $18,000 total. Sign up to win now at wordfm.com slash contests.
9: We can hardly believe it. But it's time for the last barbecue of the summer at the Springhouse in 84. Don't miss out on this great summer taste treat. And come to the Springhouse this Labor Day for fantastic chicken cooked over the pit with lots of country vegetable casseroles, homemade rolls, homemade desserts, and of course our own Springhouse chocolate milk. Eat in our picnic patch or sun porch or take it home to your own picnic. And although this last chicken barbecue marks the end of the summer at the Springhouse. it also signals the beginning of lots of fun fall events. We'll soon be having hog roasts and pumpkin patch hay rides, plus lots of other special events to celebrate this beautiful autumn time of the year. So be sure to come this Labor Day to the Springhouse and help us celebrate.
0: Attention taxpayers, ready for some bad news? With $80 billion in new funding from Congress, the IRS has launched their most aggressive hiring campaign ever to ramp-up enforcement. If you're ignoring your taxes, don't delay another minute because your paycheck, your bank account, even your home or business could already be at risk. Now, here's the good news. Optima Tax Relief, America's number one tax relief firm, can get to work immediately. Helping to protect you from the IRS. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, their tax attorneys and licensed professionals are experts at resolving tax problems. Let them help determine if you qualify for the Fresh Start initiative or other powerful IRS tax assistance programs. Take control. Call Optima Tax Relief now for a free consultation.
11: Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
4: At Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont, you can look perfect at any age. Safe, fast, and completely non-invasive. Chilled to Perfection is your all-natural way to target stubborn body fat, age spots, cellulite, acne, hair loss, and more. For a limited time, get a cryoskin skin treatment in the area of your choice, plus cryofacial for just two forty-nine. dollars Defy your age at Chilled to Perfection, where your results are their business. Visit Chilled to PGH.com today.
3: If you're a theologically conservative Christian, of course, you hold a very particular, specific worldview. And then you think of the secular world, especially the secular world of the arts, performance.
4: Yeah. You're talking about movies,
3: music, dance, theater, right? visual art. Yeah. Can you, as a theologically conservative Christian flourish in said arts? That's a question that our next guest, Andrew Voit, uh, proposes, writer, journalist, former actor who lives near Charlotte, North Carolina. He is uh, a grad at Marshall University, and he's pursuing his M.A. in uh, mental health counseling. But he wrote a really insightful piece at the Gospel Coalition with that subject, Can Theologically Conservative Christians Flourish in the Arts? And, Andrew, welcome to the show.
16: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
4: Andrew, uh, I went to the University of Pittsburgh and did my undergrad. And then I worked in a particular field for a while. And then after six or seven years, I decided that I wanted to do something completely different. And I went to art school. Um, and I, when I started my first night, uh, <laughs> I felt like I was in a completely different subculture. I mean, I felt so out of place. I felt so... Unbelievably conventional and everything about everybody I was with was just pushing the boundaries of whatever. Mm-hmm. They were the ultimate and unconventional. And I thought I
3: How do I fit in here?
4: Can I well no, I just thought I'll never succeed here. Yeah. There's no way I can succeed here. Um now fortunately I was able to succeed there, but it was just it was a it was a very good experience for me to just get out of the the milieu I was in and had been in for a long time, and just jump into a whole other thing. Now, John, on the other hand, has been an actor since he was uh, eighteen and made his career uh, in that field for a long time. So, both of us have a love for uh, for art, um, but we see what and you ha- as well, so yeah. Art. Both, of, but we see what's happened over the last fifty years, in particular, where it seems as if the worldview of a conservative Christian is out. of is really out of step with what's gone on in the world of art so where does that leave the two of us and you
16: so i'm going to be truthful with you i lost you there for a second mm. and i, I said and so i sorry. said and
4: i said so many things andrew and yet you have nothing to i know respond to. and i
16: feel horrible um <laughs> for some reason the connection there cut out it's okay but no you problem hear now, right? yeah okay, right, good. you can hear us now I can hear you now, and I am sorry that's about that. That's all right. That. No worries. That's, that's all right. Rephrase it. No problem. I can easily
4: rephrase that. in a faster way. Uh, John Thanks. made his career in acting for a long time. Uh, okay. So his love of art has is. In, you know, that was his lifeblood from when he was 18 years old. Um, I uh, went to undergrad, worked in a- another field before I decided to go back to art school. And uh, my first night there felt like there's no possible way I could ever succeed there because I was felt yeah. so out of my element. So incredibly mm-hmm. square. Uh in comparison to everybody else who was there. And the good news is that John succeeded in acting. I succeeded in art and uh, to a certain extent, both of us, probably neither one of us as much as we wish we would have. But here we are. But here we are. And there's you Yeah, but we're both art lovers. Uh, But we see in the past, uh, you know, 50 years in particular, it just seems like the world of conservative Christianity and the world of art has just gone farther and farther apart, ideologically speaking. So the question is, where does that leave John and I and you?
16: Oh, that leaves us very uh, confused, mm-hmm. I think. I I think it leaves us in a place where we have to reimagine what it looks like to be a Christian and a theologically conservative Christian in the arts. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be more mindful of why we do the arts. I, When I moved to Los Angeles in 2006 to get into acting, there were good motives in my heart, but there were also motives that I wanted to be a movie star let's be real that's kind of what drives a lot of people to move to los angeles and i think over the years i have learned that my glory and my name are not that important and the arts are a way for us to describe what's going on in our hearts it's a way for us to express our love for god it's a way for us to express how we're feeling it the arts are are an expressive form of the soul, in my opinion. It's a language that we have that God created us with. And yet at the same time, we've, we've abused the arts to make it a way to make ourselves known yeah. and praised. And so I think having a healthier perspective as Christians, not going into the arts thinking, oh, I want to do this for my own glory, but I do it for God's glory. I think that's something that took me a long time to grasp. But over time, the longer I've lived, the, the more I'm starting to enjoy the arts a lot more when I don't put pressure on myself to become something special, but instead to share what I know is in the Word, what I know God has put in my heart. And if people re- receive it by the droves, amazing, great. If not, so be it. Yeah. And so,
3: Andrew, in your piece in uh, The Gospel Coalition... Can Theologically Conservative Christians Flourish in the Arts? You, you talk about people who have reached a, a higher level of achievement. Um, yep. People like uh, Kevin Max from DC Talk or, or Derek Webb from Cademan's Call, um, Jonathan Steigert uh, from Hawk Nelson. All these people have done extremely well in their in their careers as believers, but then at some point along their journey, they have decided to what has been called deconstruct which essentially is to step away from their faith for some other greener pastures. Talk about that, about a high level, and then you reach a point for any number of reasons, and I'm sure they're varied, that they go, "Uh, I'm done with this Christianity thing. I'm going elsewhere.
16: Yeah. Well, for a high level, for many people who don't know what deconstruction is, it's a philosophy that in many ways is attributed to Jacques Derrida, a philosopher who came up with this concept of basically when deconstructing your worldview and, and taking it apart piece by piece. And what a lot of people don't quite understand about deconstruction is it's not the same thing as examining your faith. It's There's two different things. There's deconstructing your faith and examining your faith. I think for a long time, you could argue that I deconstructed when I was younger. I, I was Reading a lot of Christian quote-unquote authors who were very much the leaders of what they called the emergent church movement back in the early 2000s, and over time, I've I've come to conclude that they weren't very uh, they weren't very theologically sound. Not just based on the Scripture, but also as I've evaluated the teachings of Christ through other lenses. Not just that, but I, I'm not going to go off on a side script. <laughs> I could go off on uh, deconstruction all day sure. long. Um, what I think has happened a lot, especially in, in the church and in Christianity is we've, we've struggled to figure out where our place is in speaking uncomfortable truths that come from the scriptures into a world of the arts where uncomfortable truths about God are not very welcome. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Christian artists, Unfortunately, some of the ones you named that I was influenced by have taken that road where they've decided to abandon the faith or they've deconstructed their faith so much that it doesn't look recognizable to the Scriptures, to the Christianity of the Scriptures. And I'm not going to judge their personal motives because I don't know their motives. My assumptions on a lot of these people that we're seeing deconstruct I I want to know, is it driven by a desire to maintain some form of following or celebrity or status or to avoid criticism? I've seen – I use John Cooper as an example. He's one of my, my favorite musicians I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. And John, even though he's got a good following, to be fair, the man has gotten criticized a ton. I mean, we've got Loudwire constantly talking negatively about him. Loudwire is a metal magazine that, that covers musicians in the secular world, not a Christian perspective. So they attack him constantly. A lot of Christians, even in the so-called evangelical Big Eva world, have attacked John. And he says a lot of things. Maybe he's not the most polished human being in the world. In how he communicates but he has said a lot of things that are theologically sound and true according to scripture but they're not welcomed anymore ten years ago they probably would have been pretty commonplace in Christian music now if you want to maintain a following and you want to maintain a popularity amongst the crossover culture of mainstream slash Christian music You feel like you have to compromise different areas. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, Switchfoot crossed over and a bunch of others did, but they were not being asked the questions that you're being asked now.
4: And that brings me to a question that you asked yourself in this article in the Gospel Coalition is, does every... Christian artists have to be asked about everything. Now it's a little different in John Cooper's situation because he's writing music, uh and for people who don't know, he he he's from Skillet. So he's so part of his songwriting Is about the world of ideas. And so you could get a little bit more of a glimpse into his feeling about something. But if it's a visual artist or it's a filmmaker or whatever, sometimes those things aren't as obvious. And it just it frustrates me that it just it seems like there are gotcha questions that our culture poses to people. And you have to decide what you think about something right now. Because social media is right now, and it just gives very little opportunity for someone to who's in the public eye to really think about something, or to just I'm not or or to be unsure, which is like it seems the worst possible thing you can be.
3: Right. Or you see, um, there's a very few artists who have risen, you know, so high into the stratosphere. Someone like um, Martin Scorsese. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. We're used to, um, you know, Goodfellas and Casino and Mm -hmm. that, uh, which is filled with, you know, brutality. But then at the same time, he produces, you know, a beautiful Christian film like Silence or, you know, uh, and and he wears his he wears now at a very old age, his faith on his Mm -hmm. sleeve. And people, you know, will accept that. So it's a it's a double edged thing. And I guess maybe that's a little more hard earned as opposed to someone just starting out.
16: Yeah. And I think. The questions aren't necessarily just to musicians these days. I think you, if you look at what has happened, even with, and I'm not necessarily endorsing anybody I'm about to bring up, but these are examples. Um, I like Chris Pratt as an actor, mm-hmm. and Chris Pratt has been asked some pretty direct questions about the LGBTQ movement and about his church, which people assumed was Hillsong, but turned out it was an, another church in Los Angeles. And he's been asked about these questions himself, and he had an interview. I can't remember where it was, but he he addressed his own concerns. And we have people um, from Dallas, uh, let's see, is it Dallas Jenkins? Yeah, Dallas Jenkins well, of sure. the Chosen series. Yeah. So Dallas Jenkins has been under attack, of course, for some of his, uh, for example, they had a pride flag on set and I personally don't necessarily know how I feel about that. But regardless of my feelings, I look at these are not musicians. These are people who are now being asked to take a stand on certain subjects that 20 years ago nobody asked. No. Right, right. Yeah. Nobody asked these questions. And so 20 years ago, you could be a Christian in Hollywood or a Christian in um, – and when I say Christian, I'm referring to theologically orthodox Christianity. I'm not referring to all the different variations that seem to be popping up daily. But you could have been at one point very neutral on these matters and people would be okay with that.
10: But the is Now
16: you cannot be neutral. Yep. And it's not by choice. It's not like I'm not a hostile human being. If you actually read my former writing I like talking about neutral subjects, mental health. I like talking about spiritual faith journeys and doubt and other things like that. And I, I wanted to use that language. But over the years, I've come to terms that they there's no middle ground anymore. No, I know. And so the question for me in this article and the question that I've come to terms with on my own is, why are we so terrified of just standing for the truth mm-hmm. as Christians? Right.
4: Yeah, because we don't want to be canceled. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Right. We need to take a break, though.
10: Andrew, let
16: stop.
15: Yeah,
4: we're, we're going to stop right now. We're going to come back with sure. Andrew Voigt. Andrew's a writer, journalist, and former actor who lives near Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, But we're talking to him. He's in North Carolina. We're in Pennsylvania. But we're talking about theologically conservative Christians and whether they can live and exist in the arts. We're going to continue the conversation next. So stay close.
10: It's the ride home. Attention Medicaid patients.
15: If you're on Medicaid, how would you like if your caretaker was your daughter, your son, your grandchild, or your close friend? If you're on Medicaid, Freedom Care allows you to choose who provides your care, and that caregiver will get paid instantly after their shift. Yes, your caregiver will get paid instantly, and it's 100% free to you if you're on Medicaid. Call 412-990-1365 and ask Freedom Care how to get started with care today. No more worrying about getting care from an aide at an agency. Freedom Care helps you choose who you want to take care of you, and that person gets paid. Call Freedom care at 412-990-1365 that's 412-990-1365 to get started today you get a caregiver you know and trust and they get paid instantly after their shift and it's free to you start now by calling 412-990-1365 that's 412-990-1365 or go to freedomcare.com freedom Ron had
11: a tax problem he just couldn't handle on his own. I owed the IRS taxes for
10: over five years, but I didn't have any money to pay the taxes.
11: Those years cost him dearly. Most of it was fees and interest. It was horrible. Ron finally called in the pros. I called Optima
6: Tax Relief, and boy, am I happy I did. <laughs>
11: the leading tax resolution firm, Optima, is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. They've resolved over a billion dollars for their clients. Ron was overjoyed.
6: They settled my account with the IRS. I was a They are a lifesaver. They are. I am so happy.
11: (laughs) Take Ron's advice and call Optima now for a free consultation. Yeah, don't
6: do like I did and wait. Call Optima Tax Relief. Do it now. You'll be ecstatic like me.
11: (laughs) Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
8: The book of James gives us a long list of guidelines for godly living that can be overwhelming. We're told to love all people equally, not boast, don't speak evil. That's just the beginning of the list. How can we do this when our wills compel us to go our own way? The book Radically Whole provides practical help for managing a divided heart. Ask for your copy at truthforlife.org donate.
9: Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, tune in and on Odyssey 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh.
10: Don't let biased algorithms or degree screens or exclusive professional networks or stereotypes. Don't let anything keep you from discovering the half of the workforce who are stars. Workers skilled through alternative routes rather than a bachelor's degree. It's time to tear the paper ceiling and see the stars beyond it. Find out how you can make stars part of your talent strategy at tearthepaperceiling.org. Brought to you by Opportunity at Work and the Ad Council.
2: Becoming partly cloudy with a heavy thunderstorm tonight. It'll be warm and humid otherwise. Those storms can bring flooding downpours, hail, and damaging wind gusts. We'll reach a nighttime low of 71. Partly sunny tomorrow, very warm and humid with a thunderstorm in spots at a high of 86. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and humid with a low of 65. Partly sunny Saturday, remaining humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area of a high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. you're interested in the arts, if you
3: hold a golden ticket and you're fortunate to make a living in the arts, what responsibility do you have to your faith? Mm-hmm. And if you're known in that, can you freely operate in that space without being put upon or feeling defensive because you are a person of the faith? What do you think about, um, you know, there's a whole sliding scale of, of artistry. Uh, and I, I remember, you know, years ago when Thomas Kincaid was, you know, the sort of uh, celebrity Christian artist. Remember, he had stores at, you know, malls. Oh, yeah, all right. over. There was a certain, to me, and I know people love this, but there was a certain cheesiness to the art. Mm-hmm. But he was known as, in air quotes, a Christian artist. Some people make that work, right? Some people do make that work. Other people, like Chris Pat- Chris Pratt, Um, are
4: are constantly at odds with critics.
3: Right. We're talking with Andrew Voigt. He's got a piece at the uh, Gospel Coalition website. Can theologically conservative Christians flourish in the arts? But I guess there's there's a deeper question. Well,
4: yeah, I don't know. It's the question you asked before we went to break, Andrew, which is why are we so afraid? Why do you think we're so afraid to stand up for what's right?
16: Well, I think you answered it, and it's the stupid word that nobody likes is canceled. A lot of people in the progressive Christian circles do not like that word. Mm -hmm. Uh, They think it's a made-up word. Uh, The truth of the matter is it is a real thing being canceled. It's um, a lack of grace that we live in in this culture. We do not have any room for disagreement in any form. And that goes on conservative Christians as well. It's not we we have a tendency, every human being has a tendency of writing off another person who disagrees with our ways of life or our views. Now, as far as current culture, culture has become very hostile to Christianity, not in an, a, I'm not one of those people who would say we are being persecuted. I'm no. not going that far. We've done ourselves I've no said, favors, haven't we? Yeah, we have done no favors to ourselves. But I also believe that a lot of Christian doctrine is hard for a lot of people in modern culture outside of the church to swallow. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the reason we're terrified, and I personally have to admit, and I I was terrified for years to say anything on Twitter. I had a decent following and I had a peop- a group of people reading what I was writing. I don't know why they did, but they did. And I was sharing all of this information about my beliefs, but I didn't want to address some of the hard facts because I knew that I would get labeled in a certain light that was not positive, especially amongst people in their their millennial generation, which Mm -hmm. I guess in a way I fall within that. I'm kind of in the blurry millennial Gen X age, and I have a lot of friends who don't see eye to eye with me on theology. I have progressive Christian friends who don't and so it's it's terrifying to think that you could alienate a group of people by saying no I stand on traditional christian values however to answer my own question <laughs> i would say that ultimately i've come to terms that god's glory and honoring god is more important than my own glory mm-hmm. and there is a point as an artist, and I don't consider myself an artist like an actor anymore, even though I was an actor and I did that. I like writing. I've come to find that this is truly what I really love is, is writing and talking about my faith and talking about philosophy and mental health and things like that. And so writing is where I consider art. And if I'm not being true to what I actually believe, then that's not really authentic, genuine art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if point? Christians are going to be true and authentic in our art, we have to tell the truth. I and- get, yeah,
4: I am compl- I totally get you, Andrew. But I want to push back a little bit because I feel like one of the the things that b- brings out the dissatisfaction factor in let's just let's look at Christian film um, is that in. I think in filmmakers' desire to tell the truth and to stand up for what they believe, what they see as you know God's standards, they're not willing, it seems to me as a consumer, to live in the world of asking questions about it. And so Correct. the films tend to come at me in some, yeah, in Pollyanna fashion, kind of like we already know what the right answer is. And so we're going to give you the right answer. And then we're going to be glad when we leave. And then I'm not glad when we leave, because then I, I'd rather, you know, watch, you know, for all mankind on Apple, because it has all sorts of questions that I'm interested in thinking about. So how do you respond to that?
16: Well, as I said in the article, so one, one thing I agree with you in the sense that we should ask questions, but I also think over over my journey, reading a lot of, as I said, the emergent church writers and authors over the years, we there was a heavy emphasis on asking questions with very few answers.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point.
16: And I I struggle with wanting to be that guy who says, well, we need to be comfortable asking questions. I did that for the last 20 years. I've said that for the last 20 years, but I've, I'm starting to see the younger generation is saying, well... What's the answer to these questions?
12: Yeah.
16: They want answers. People want clarity. I do think you are correct. Number one, I, and I, I said this in the article, but I do think Christian art is pretty weak. Sometimes I'm not denying that. And I think a lot of Christian movies are way too in your face about some of the dogma. I'm not saying you have to say a word about all the controversy in this culture. That's not necessarily what I'm pushing for. However, you will if you have any grain of of popularity in whatever form of art you have, you probably are going to be asked some difficult questions. Yeah, and we've had, for example, Lauren Daigle was asked about the LGBTQ situation, the movement, and what she thinks as a Christian, and she did what most every Christian artist is doing right now, which I sympathize with her in every single way she kind of danced around it sidestep. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do for, especially for young people who are looking for answers and guidance from church leaders and from people who are, have influence within the church, whether it's art or not. I think we need to be able to approach those questions with grace, but also in truth. I am not interested in attacking anyone nor is this about the LGBTQ movement. This is about a lot of other things. This is about the the truth of the scriptures. Do we believe that Jesus mm-hmm. was raised from the dead? That's one argument a lot of people are having on Twitter these days. Yeah. And there's the arguments of penal substitution. And theology has gotten way into the weeds, especially on social media. And young people need to know what's true. Now, as far as an artist, do they have to share all this stuff? No. If they're asked a question, should they be truthful? I believe so. However, I state in the article, and and I'm saying this back here, I think a lot of Christians need to stop being so hostile towards the things that we disagree with, and we need to start elevating the things that are good about traditional, orthodox, conservative Christianity. We need to start singing and writing and painting and drawing and sketching and whatever it may be emphasizing the things that are beautiful, beautiful without yeah. our faith. That's good. Yeah. Because cause... a lot of people are going to keep saying, well, you just, you just hate on everything instead of making movies about anti atheism, like God's not dead. one, two, three, five hundred. 500. Why don't we make movies that emphasize the glory of God that's found in a healthy marriage or the glory of God found in somebody reaching their dreams and and succeeding, or somebody who's going on the mission field and giving their life to God. Hmm. I mean, there are so many things we could do that don't downplay somebody else's life or even address all the cultural issues, but instead emphasize why it's so beautiful to be a Christian.
3: That's excellent. Andrew, our time's up. We certainly thank you uh, for really deeper questions. Thought-provoking, I appreciate that. Andrew Voigt, can theologically conservative Christians flourish in the arts. Andrew, uh, people are listening to you. If they want to find you uh, out in uh, the wider world, is there a place where they can go and and look for what you're doing?
16: Sure, andrewvoigt.net. No H in the Voigt. Everybody likes to put that one in there. And then I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me at Andrew andrewvoigtrider on Instagram. Excellent. Thanks, Andrew. We enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much.
3: My pleasure. We'll take a a quick break. Uh, What about um, phone calls? Mm
9: -hmm. Have they died? Have they disappeared?
3: I don't want to answer. Do you?
9: 101.5 W O R D.
13: per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country
17: Attention, your withdrawal has been denied by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about
1: racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith-focused education that believes in transparency, parents, and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Champion Christian School in Champion PA. Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you.
3: The phone's ringing. Someone's calling you. What are you going to do?
4: I usually don't answer. I mean, a lot of times I can't because I'm working or something's going on. But if, you know, if I'm just sitting around at night, no, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna likely not going to answer you, First of
3: all, if it's, Wait, if it's someone you know, would you answer? Even if well, he's...
4: not if I'm in the middle of working.
3: But, but I would like, you if mean you're at home on the couch and it's eight o'clock and the phone rings. My
4: phone, my phone probably wouldn't ring because I'd have it off.
3: Oh. Okay.
4: And. You would do the same thing because I've called you a bunch no, of times. No, really? And like, oh,
3: yeah. And I've ignored your call. Yeah, of course. My apologies. Sorry, it's no big deal. I've been doing something else there.
4: Right. Because here's the thing. Yeah. It's not just you. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. Uh, it's much worse for Gen Z because, according to the New York Post today, only one in ten would prefer to talk to their friends and or family via a phone call. See? One in ten.
3: Don't you get tired of typing?
4: Yeah. and Well, then... Of course, the opposite is revealed, which is, and this is easy to understand, that 90% of Gen Zs are anxious about speaking on the phone, scared of doing it. I can't have a phone conversation.
3: You know who's excellent on the phone is is Lexi. Lexi.
4: Now, Lexi, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. She's a rare breed here. You're a general Zer. Yes. And you're excellent on the phone.
3: Fine phone skills.
4: Oh, I appreciate that. Sometimes I feel like I'm terrible at that. No, No, you're not terrible at all. You're very, very good. Um, Are you surprised by the numbers I'm telling you? Oh, not at all. Okay. I
5: I don't necessarily love answering the phone, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm bad at it. You know what I mean? Yes. But do you think that there are a lot of people who would be around your age who are? Oh, 100%. Um, I know that in my group of friends, we prefer calling sometimes oh. because it's easier. Because like you guys said, that it I if, if there's too much typing, oh my, I, my thumbs are getting tired. Me I'd, too. A quick phone call is going to be way easier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's get
3: to the and you know sixty seconds. We're done.
5: Yeah, but there are other times where typing actually helps me think through what I'm going to say to people. I get it. And so I think it gives people a chance to think through what they're going to say, rather than on the phone, you can say something off the rip and you go, oh, wait, that's not exactly kind of what I meant. Let me rephrase and
4: readjust. And by then it's already too late. (laughs) Sure. Now, uh, according to the New York Post's article I I continue to read, it says that an awkward phone call is one of the top three things Gen Zers say they most want to avoid in life. Well, everyone does, (laughs) right? I mean, that's really extreme. The things you want to avoid in life, talking on the phone is awkward one of them. phone
3: calls. How many awkward yeah. phone calls have you had in your life? Uh, By too, the thousands. Too
4: many. But here's the thing. I remember being a kid and when someone called my house, mm-hmm. they most likely had to talk to my mom of or course. my dad. Right. So my friend Missy would say, hi, Mrs. B. This is Missy. Uh, is Kathy there? And then my mom would say, Missy, how are you? And she'd say, good, how are you? And mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then they would go and get me and I'd come to the phone. So those things never have to happen anymore.
3: No, there's no portal to go through.
4: Right, so there's you don't have no. to learn to make conversation.
3: No. How about the, did you have a telephone table? Yes. Right. Yeah. So we had a telephone Until table. Until they mounted it on the wall. Okay, no, the, the, ours was there at the bottom of the uh, living room, or the, you know, the upstairs steps, you know, uh, like a little foyer little telephone with a place underneath for the telephone books. There were nine of us in the house. Do you think you had any chance at all for some sort of quiet phone conversation?
4: Never. When you wanted to call a girl, how would you do that?
3: Uh, I went to the Gulf gas station and used the (laughs) payphone. And then I prepped myself very carefully. Okay, now you're going to talk about this. I mean, I've had to sort of talk myself into that. Put the dime. That's how long. Put a dime into the phone and then make the phone call. Took a great leap of courage
4: okay what about in the dating world and we need to close this conversation out a lot faster than i wish we did but with dating people you know break up with each other by text horrible that would right. be horrible. i remember when taylor swift i think she horrible. was on ellen's show talking about the joe jonas broke up with her over a 27 S- second phone so call cold. i mean so at least that was a phone call lex how do you feel about that you should never break up with someone
5: over text message no. a- at the very least call them the best Outcome obviously is Basically, in person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Have you ever been broken up with via text? Uh, n- no, but okay. I've gotten pretty close.
3: <laughs> How about like when you know it's coming? Have yeah. Ever- oh, uh, that's the worst. Is that the- that's the that was that the for
5: me. Worst. My last relationship before my current um, uh, partner, uh, we were texting, and at that point, he had moved to get his master's degree somewhere in Oklahoma. And so we were at long distance and I was texting him and I just, I was like, you need to call me right now. (laughs) And then we broke up
4: and that was that. Yep. I got broken up with on the phone.
3: Did you? Oh, sure. Hmm.
4: Long distance.
3: Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
4: That was tough stuff. That's a rough
3: pain, isn't Isn't it? Isn't that?
4: That's just, that's a deep searing agony. Uh I see it. Until a month later, you realize I'm so much better off. I'm so grateful that happened.
3: I hear that. All right. uh, Take a quick break. How about uh, fundraising for East Palestine? That's next.
9: Attention, your withdrawal has been denied by the U.S.
17: government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Do you have heart failure and often
12: hear? Those stomach issues ruined your birthday. You're too tired to play catch, Grandpa? Sweetie, you haven't touched your tools since the carpal tunnel syndrome diagnosis. If these
10: seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, talk to your cardiologist. Ask about transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy, or ATTRCM, a rare and underdiagnosed disease that gets worse over time. Learn more at connecttoyourheart.com. That's connecttoyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.
12: The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal, the sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us on the roads that unite us, with nearly six thousand stores and over seventeen thousand auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care here to keep you firing on all cylinders.
10: People always ask me why should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why: our owner Bob Bill learned plumbing from his father, who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Rooter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412 Rooter 2 today. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Knodek and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
3: In February, when um, a million pounds of hazardous chemicals was dropped from a, um, a train, a Norfolk Southern train in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, almost 5,000 residents, of course, have been deeply anxious about the toxic substances that uh, are present in the air and the water and the soil. So uh, there's a local church, the First Church of Christ in East Palestine. They announced a fundraising drive to provide air purifiers to families and local partnerships uh, with, um, Companies called Germ Solutions USA. And uh, these are not cheap air purifiers, but the um, the church, First Church of Christ in East Palestine, hopes to provide um, more than 3,000. That's uh, 3, awesome. 3,000 of these purifiers. It's cool. Um, Great. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, money is pouring in, uh, but I, I can't imagine how do you get over something like that? I mean, oh, you, oh you, you don't. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get over it. So at it, least but... it, to some small degree, if you, if you get one of these air purifiers, you think, okay, I've got a small hedge going up around me and right. my kids. That's right. All. right. And that's, so uh, congratulations to First Church of Christ in East Palestine.
4: We're glad you joined us on today's ride home. But boy, uh, before we close out, I want to wish you a happy National Knife Day.
3: A Knife Day? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you. It's
4: it's the day to appreciate the knives that you use on a daily basis. It's Mm, a celebration mm. of the marvelous tool that has been with humans since the dawn of time.
3: Don't you love a good knife?
4: I do love a good yeah. knife. And National Knife Day has been celebrated since 2011. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if you have a, a favorite. Now, I know you're not the cook in your household. Yeah, but, but
3: I do have favorite knife. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. knife? My favorite knife, uh, weirdly, this is a very specific knife, is our, is our long serrated bread knife.
4: Okay, that's, yeah. It's a very important knife I to think have. so,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We've had it for a few years. Now, sharpening it is a little problematic.
4: I don't think you can. can, You can't really sharpen serrated knives, can you?
3: No, So, but, you know, I'm cutting bread. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You really can't. But, you know, you get yourself a nice loaf of bread and you go, there's something satisfaction. There's a deep satisfaction using that specific knife for that only purpose.
4: Right. No, I agree with you. Mm
3: -hmm. You yourself? Uh,
4: I have a a Horfschner 8-inch chef's knife that I use for pretty much everything. Really? But I was just at my uh, niece's house over the weekend, Mm -hmm. and she had a six-inch chef's knife from Shun, S-H-U-N. Really? And I'm super interested in acquiring that. Interesting. Because I always use the eight-inch. All of a sudden, I'm a small person. The six-inch was very nice. I like it. It was very nice. It has one of those blades. It's kind of like... um, like there are kind of divots in the actual blade so that when you're slicing a tomato, it doesn't stick to oh, the blade. Yeah, sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? Very nice. I, I'm interested in that.
3: I was at my sister's house the other day and we were. she was cutting something and she, she said, I always put my knives away at nighttime because I don't want someone to break in the house and have easy access to a knife.
4: <laughs> okay, now listen, I put my knives away always because I don't want my cats uh-huh. to knock them off the counter. Right, right. Right? right? Or hurt themselves yeah. or hurt the floor. Lex, do you have a favorite knife?
5: Uh I would have to agree with John that the serrated knife for the
3: bread mm-hmm. is I mean, so good. A it's special. like it's very special. What if
4: you're buying a rustic loaf from Breadworks? You need a good knife sure to get through that. You're like the rustic like sourdough, knife. rustic raisin. Yummy. It's so good. Excellent. I think I want toast tonight.
3: Oh I had toast this morning. Did you?
4: Mm-hmm. How was it?
3: perfect raisin bread it's
4: the best kind
3: the
0: ride home with john and kathy a production of salem media group